0: Welcome to the Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. I believe in the power of the gospel and the potential of teens. I believe the best way to get our teens to grow is to get them to go and share the gospel. I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, rate it, review it, spread the word, use social media. Uh, We believe it's time for a revolution in youth ministry that will mobilize teens until every teen everywhere hears the gospel from a friend. So thanks for being a part of today. Super excited! Uh, Got to have one of my get to privilege of having one of my good friends on the podcast today, Mark Middleberg. He's a best-selling author, international speaker, and executive director of the Lee Strobel Center for Evangelism and Applied Apologetics at Colorado Christian University. Think about that. I'm a graduate from CCU. I was like, "Hey guys, you understand Lee Strobel and Mark Middleberg are now leading this." It's like. Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris showing up at your dojo saying, hey, we would like to teach a few classes. That's pretty good. Uh, Mark wrote Confident Faith, which won Outreach Magazine's 2014 Apologetics Book of the Year, which is a big, big deal. He also wrote or co-wrote many other books, including The Reason Why Faith Makes Sense, The Questions uh, Christians Hope No One Will Ask with Answers, and perhaps his best-known book, Becoming a Contagious Christian, and uh, the book and the training course uh, with Lee Strobel and Becoming a Contagious Church. His new book, Contagious Faith, Discover Your Natural Style for Sharing Jesus with Others, just released this month. Uh, And it's a topic of our conversation today. Mark lives near Denver with his wife Heidi, their two grown children, Emma. Emma Jean and Matthew both serve in full-time ministry roles. Hey, Mark, it is awesome to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for being a part of it.
1: Well, thanks for inviting me, Greg. I love... Everything you do, and it's a privilege to be on here with you.
0: Man, I'm we were just reminiscing a little bit about the first time we met, and I think it was in the back of a limousine. You, me, Lee Strobel getting picked up to go to a TBN broadcast in Dallas. It, it,
1: it sounds like we were going to some frat party or something, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, yeah, TBN, and it was an amazing night. We were with Luis Palau, the infamous. Oh, Evangelist who just left this earth about a few months back, but uh, yeah, I, I remember thinking, "Man, Luis is amazing, but who's this Greg Fireball Steer guy?" Um, <laughs> really, I mean, I just Lee and I came away and go, "Man, that guy is—he's full of the Holy Spirit, loves evangelism, and probably needs to drink decaf."
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Spirit of God and caffeine—the key. Yes, to Amen. Industry. All right, Mark, super excited about your new book, Contagious Faith, Discovering Your Natural Style for Sharing Jesus with Others. And this is a big deal. This is a kind of a culmination book of decades of experience in training evangelism. Tell me a little bit about it.
1: Well, that's exactly right, Greg. I view it as my most important book. It's kind of the culmination, as you say, of years of ministry. And in this book, I tell you know a lot of my Greatest hits, you know, best stories from over the years and um, um, lessons I've learned and and try to put it all in one book with the goal of helping ordinary Christians, uh, people who say, I know, you know, someone needs to share the gospel, but I'm not really comfortable with it or I -hmm. tried it and it didn't really fit me. Uh, And I can relate to them because uh, my start, uh, you know, when I first came to Christ, I shared my faith in kind of natural, organic ways. But then I had some experiences where I was sent out with ministries. I I tell this uh, in one of the early chapters of the book, my wife, Heidi, and I went for an overseas tour of ministry in a great church in London, England for eight weeks but we didn't quite know what we were signing up for. We get there and we meet the team captain who's this really enthusiastic guy. And I say, Hey, it's great to be here. What are we going to do? And he goes, I'm glad you asked. I'm like, okay, okay, simmer down boy. And uh, he's going, we're going to go out tomorrow. We're going to knock on doors and talk to people all around the neighborhoods and tell them about Jesus. It's going to be great. And I'm thinking, Oh man, that doesn't, sound great, but I, it should. I mean, I should really like this because I love Jesus. I love people. But then I asked him, I said, are we going to do this all day? And he said, we're going to do it all summer. You know, it's like, oh my goodness, what have I signed up for?
0: It's a dare to share a dream come true.
1: <laughs> but see, this is, this is what we're going to get to, different styles for all yeah. different believers. And so for me, this was bit of a recurring nightmare each day um, because I, I am an extrovert. I am a people person, but I'm not a walk up to strangers kind of person. And uh, so, you know, I'm more like your wife. If I go to the mall, it's to buy something. Um, so we, you know, struggle along. I would knock on doors. I remember one woman accusing me of having an American accent and then telling me I should go pester people in my own country I thought, man, right now that sounds like a good idea. I think I'll go back home. Um, and it, it was tough, but gradually we figured out it was kind of for us a, a minor innovation. And that was my wife, Heidi, who's also an extrovert, also a people person, but very gregarious and just, lo- you know, she's the kind of person that makes friends on an elevator ride, you know, from. Mm the first to the third floor, and they're best friends when they get there. Um, So we finally figure out, let's have Heidi knock on the door, and I'll kind of hide behind her, you know, and they'll open the door. In fact, in England, we found out they they love to invite Heidi in and make tea for her, you know. But I'd kind of rush in behind her and uh, drink tea, and she would warm up the whole thing relationally until finally they would say well you know but what about and then they'd have some tough spiritual question and then the baton would kind of naturally go to me because that's more my area and so we we kind of came back from that it still was a tough summer for me and i was thinking i'm kind of done with evangelism but i also knew i should be doing it and i had those lessons in the back of my mind when then i heard a sermon at my church where the pastor showed right from the pages of Scripture that there are a variety of approaches. And I've just built on that, and I lay out five different styles in this new book, Contagious Faith.
0: I love that. And I think, you know, one of the things that uh, God has blessed both of us with is a, a wife that helps balance out our style. And uh, Amen. my style has changed over the years because— of the coaching of my wife. And I think her style has changed too. She's become more bold being around me. I've become more relational uh, being around her. And I think God just brings all those styles to, not just in evangelism, but in kind of discipling each other. Yeah. It's interesting.
1: That's, it's why God gives us great partners uh, for life. And, uh, and I think it's, we can maybe get to this a little bit later. One of my, Passions for this is not just to help us as individuals learn our approach, but then learn the people in our circle, you know, the, our our small group or our Sunday school mm. class, or better yet, our whole church to learn about these things. Mm. Then we start to see kind of how the team can fit together. And really blow out what Heidi and I did as a pair. Uh, Imagine if you have a bunch of people and you say, well, boy, if I want to reach this uncle who has hard questions, I'll pull in my Lee Strobel friend. If I want to, I need someone to build a friendship, I'll pull in Heidi. If I need, you see what I mean? We can really partner in strategic ways.
0: So let's talk a little bit about in Contagious Faith, there are five styles of sharing the gospel let's just kind of start with uh friendship building it sounds like we kind of already did that's yeah what it's it's heidi's
1: that is heidi's and i think it's it's one of the broadest and by the way we can all do elements of all of these and probably should but what i've found is that we're probably designed by god to at least fit one of these and i'm not trying to limit our listeners to just one Uh, a lot of people will have a combination of them Um, and a lot of people won't know right away, and you can kind of experiment and try different things and be playful with it. I mean, uh, it's not like you're signing on a dotted line that this is my style. Just try stuff, and some will work, and some won't, and you'll find what you're comfortable with and what you're not, but Heidi is the friendship-building style. We see this in uh, Luke 529 in Scripture where Matthew, the tax collector who became a disciple has this party and invites all the other tax collectors along with all the other disciples and Jesus uh, and mixes it up in a social setting and builds and deepens friendships and then uses that context to have spiritual conversations. And that's just a pretty good snapshot. Again, that's what Heidi did. She, she's good at opening doors. She's good at opening people up and opening conver- conversations and you know, once she does, then uh, sometimes then other people around her join in in other ways. But uh, I love this one. It, it's it's the person who's really focused on people and their needs, uh, not necessarily their questions or worldview like me. Um, so that's the first one. Should I keep going? You
0: know, yeah, I just to kind of stop, because that's my wife's style yeah. as well. And my wife was a... Um, public school teacher at the same uh, elementary school fifth grade public school teacher for 26 years and just to show you I mean she makes friends with kids with parents with administration a uh, couple years back she got a Facebook message from a girl that was in her old fourth grade class so this is long she started teaching fourth grade and moved up to fifth she goes, my name is Vanessa I'm a senior at the University of Colorado um, evolutionary biology major, and I'm thinking about God and if there's a God. And as wow. I've scrolled through my life, you are the only Christian that I've ever met that lived a Christianity worth embracing. Love that. Can you tell me more about God? And my wife goes, What do I do? I go, Invite her over. Uh, she came over, and of course, Debbie remembered everything about Vanessa when she was in her fourth grade class. They talked, got caught up, and we were—we had the privilege of leading her to Christ, and my wife discipled her, and then Vanessa started leading other people to Christ and discipling others, and it was just a beautiful friendship-building type of long-term evangelism. And yeah. again, she's a public school teacher, so she couldn't stand on a desk and declare right. Jesus is Lord. She could do it once before yeah. she got fired. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Exactly. Um, But she would drop breadcrumbs and kids would bring it up and she would, you know, share. And it was a beautiful thing. So, yeah, that's great. And by the way,
1: Jesus did this. He was called the friend of sinners. And, uh, you know, he hung out with people. In fact, he he was willing to risk and ruin his reputation uh, because, you know, people called him a glutton and a drunkard. Why? Because those are the kinds of people he was around. So yeah. this is not something where you kind of depart from your faith to hang out with these folks. It's a mandate that we do so, and Jesus exactly. was the best example of all.
0: I love that. So what's the second style?
1: Second one is the what I call the selfless serving style, and these folks see needs that maybe the rest of us don't see. Um, especially your style and my style, Gregs. We, we're often focused on. Issues and truth and answers and those kinds of things and the person's hurting and they they need help or they need Mm. someone just to talk to them and, and hold their hand or help them fix their plumbing or watch their kids or whatever it is and those with this style are attuned to that. And uh, they usually don't need a stage or a spotlight or any, you know, big attention or anything. But they usually work more behind the scenes. And the biblical example is uh, Tabitha in Acts 9. Mm. She made articles of clothing for needy people. And that opened hearts up to the God who loves them through this woman, Tabitha. So this one, I think, is really what's exciting about it is this will reach the hardest to reach people. Uh, because yeah. a lot of people are hurt, they're jaded, they're angry, uh, they're mad at God, they're mad at the church. And then a loving, selfless-serving Christian builds a, a tr- you know a level of trust and serves them and tangibly loves them. And that can bring the wall down between them and God and open mm-hmm. them up to conversations. But let me just add, that I have a real strong caution. In fact, in the Contagious Faith book, I give cautions for each of these and the caution on the selfless serving is these folks sometimes don't want to ever talk about it. <laughs> you know, they just want to talk about the plumbing they fixed or the kids they're watching, but you've got to at least drop hints. You've got to say, you know, I'm not just serving cause I, cause I'm genetically predisposed to be a caring person. I'm changed by the love of Christ and it's his love that you're seeing expressed through me. And I'd love to tell you about that somehow. Or sometimes. I love
0: that. I love it. And, you know, one of the things we do, uh, actually, it's starting to go, catch on around the world is a Go Share Day. It's the last Saturday of every month. Youth groups around the world go out and pray, care, and share the gospel yeah. out loud with words. And uh, so we go to the 16th Street Mall here in Denver and serve the homeless. And what I love about it is it gives those students who have a natural predisposition to serve an opportunity to serve but it stretches them to share the gospel out loud with words. And it gives the students who want to just get to the gospel, slows them down a little bit, and helps them to serve. So it's
1: really... It's a powerful combination. It's something John Stott wrote about years ago, that we need hmm. both. And I I would just add uh, for church leaders that are watching, for youth leaders that are watching... Uh, I think as I observe what's happened in the evangelical church in the last 10 or 15 years, um, we have grown a lot in tangibly loving, serving, reaching out. A lot of churches have what they call outreach ministries, which are about the kinds of things we're talking about, serving people. But I would urge that we don't let the pendulum swift and uh, shift because I think, and I think, A lot of churches have, maybe some youth ministries have, where they've shifted to now mostly what we do is go out and paint fences or, you know, uh, pick up yeah. trash or, you know, serve people. And, and again, those are good things, but if that's all you do, you're stopping short of the great commission. You're, yeah. you're serving people temporarily in ways that don't change their eternity. So I know I'm preaching to the choir with you, Greg, but, but it really is a both and, and, uh, I would actually urge that any groups that we have go out and do, you know, those kinds of outreach missional kinds of service, are first trained to share their faith so that when they're in those situations, they make the most of both. They lovingly serve, and then they lovingly share as well.
0: So you're going to love this. November 13th, we have uh, over a 1,000 churches signed up for Dare to Share Live. Wow. And they'll be trained, equipped, and then for two and a half hours, go out and pray, care, and share the gospel. We always say out loud with words, they're also going to be engaging their friends via text and social media, like "How can I pray for you?" Which is a way to serve people and love them and engage gospel conversations that way. That's so I fully agree, they need trained, equipped, and then unleashed. And you know, you've, we've all heard that supposed quote from uh, St. Francis of Assisi that there. Many people are saying wasn't attributed to him directly. Now, but preach the gospel if necessary. Use words. We've adjusted it at Dare to Share. Preach the gospel. It's necessary. Use words.
1: Exactly. You know? and, I, I always say, I, I, whether he said it or not, I, I get the point of it, and that is yeah. show your faith, live it sure. out, be loving, be kind that's the prerequisite. And we all agree with that, but Paul made it very clear in Romans 10, 14, you got to use words. He said, how are yeah. they going to know unless someone yeah. goes to them and shares the message, unless someone articulates it. And the way I paraphrase Paul there is, I say, your friends are not going to see it unless you go to them and say it.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah. So. Yeah. I love it. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the third style. This is good.
1: Yeah, the third one is the story sharing and uh you know, I I suppose that could be a generic story, but mostly what I'm referring to here is your story, uh the mm-hmm. ways God has changed your life. And I give a very simple outline in the book about how you can talk about, you know, what it was you discovered spiritually and then what mm-hmm. you decided, your your commitment mm-hmm. to Christ. And then what difference that's made in your life. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's what people are mostly interested in is what happened to you and what does it make a difference? Is it better? And, you know, not that you go and say my life is perfect or I don't have problems anymore. I mean, you got to be honest and realistic. But following Christ is better. And you yeah. know this is the best way to live. And here's my story. And in the book, I, I give examples of all of these. Uh, first of all, the biblical examples: the blind man in John nine, who yeah. Jesus heals. The guy gets his sight. He's amazed, but he barely has a chance to blink. And he finds himself on trial with the religious leaders. And they're pressing him for all this information. He finally gets fed up. He goes, I don't know. He goes, all I know is I was blind. Now I can see. Deal with it, you know? Are you going to argue with my experience? And he uses what Jesus did in his life to point them back to Jesus. And uh, in the book, I also use a current example, and that's Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel. Uh, who was the atheist and newspaper reporter who found Christ and later wrote The Case for Christ. Then they made a movie about it. And uh, I loved it.
0: Which was really good, actually. So I... It was like one of the first Christian movies I thought, Oh my goodness, it's actually a good standalone movie. You don't have to qualify it at all. That was good for a Christian movie. That was a good movie,
1: exactly powerful, and, uh, and then, i I had the scene talk to where you he puts his going foot. though, Greg. do you remember that
0: yeah <laughs> i'm I'm glad you did. It was so good,
1: yeah, but what what I like to point out is uh you know those are the dramatic stories. a guy's blind, he gets miraculously healed. Uh, or a guy's an atheist and a skeptic trying to talk his wife out of Christianity, comes to faith. I love those dramatic stories, and they make movies about them. Um, no one's making a movie about my story. Um, but what I like to, the reason I bring that up, that what I like to help people see is, if you have more of an ordinary story like me, like I was a Baptist kid that backslid, Wow. You know, again, not super exciting, Uh, like your story is exciting, Greg, but uh, mine isn't. But you know what? Nine out of 10 people in the communities where I live will relate to my story because a lot of them grew up at church or VBS or Sunday school or catechism or whatever, and then kind of drifted. And so my point is, you don't have to have a dramatic story. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I should add, I think all of us should learn to share our experience, our story, point to Christ. But for yeah. some of us, like Lee Strouble, this is his main weapon in the arsenal. Yeah,
0: that's good. I think you know it's one of the things I tell students is a, it's a quote from a tweet I read years ago. Uh, you may not feel like you have a powerful story, but on the day you got saved. God turned a criminal proceeding into an adoption ceremony.
1: Oh, that's good.
0: In that, I I wish I remembered who sent that tweet out. Could you tweet
1: that again today? I'll I'll retweet you on that one. I'll do it. That is a really good one. Yeah, so
0: good. Um, All right, what's the next one, the next style? Well, the
1: fourth one is, uh, and I just got to say first, this is really the best of the five styles and probably the most godly of the five styles. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. And by the way, this is mine, too. (laughs) That's right. And we should all think ours is the best, right? Uh, Seriously, it's it's called the reason-giving style. And Mm -hmm. it may not be the most godly, but it is an increasingly important one in our culture. And that is because people are so confused spiritually and um, drifting from Christian teachings and a Christian worldview and full of misinformation and full of questions and doubts. And we need people who like the apostle Paul in Acts 17, who stood up on Mars Hill and spoke to the philosophers in Athens and presented the gospel in a logical way. We need more of us types. Uh, That's what Paul did. You know, he he would often talk about how we persuade people. Um, we, demolish arguments we take every thought captive to make it obedient to christ well i relate to that and going back to that england experience heidi's getting the doors open but you know when people would bring up tough questions um that was natural for me i was actually getting my master's degree at that time at trinity seminary uh in philosophy of religion and uh, i love talking to people with doubts or different beliefs or questions or objections and i'm drawn to that i just didn't think of it as evangelism Um, Mm -hmm. but i then all of a sudden my eyes were opened and ever since then i you know have been building on my approach looking for opportunities to. To speak, to write, to have conversations, to answer questions, to to do Q&As, uh, dealing with people's questions and objections. And I see how God uses that to bring down the barriers and open them up to the gospel. And no, I'll preempt a question. People say, so you think you can argue people into the kingdom? No, but people, you know, often need a few good arguments. They need, they need information well, in order to come to the cross and trust in Christ.
0: Yeah. And if you look at Second Corinthians 10, that whole tearing down the strongholds, you know, I tear down strongholds, I take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I mean, that's that's evangelistic apologetics. Exactly you know? right. That's exactly what Paul did. That's what you do. And we're glad that you do because it really helps. You're one of the guys that I would call in. Like, let me call Mark to find out what I believe about this. <laughs> and then, you know, use those arguments to... to uh, you know tear down those strongholds so praise god.
1: Yeah, and if I could just add quickly uh, a couple things. One is I mentioned you might have a combination of styles. Lee Strobel, I used him as the example of the story sharing, but he also has the the reason giving. In fact, they're probably about equal. And so those are his two and it's a Mm -hmm. powerful combination. So as I said earlier, we're not trying to limit you to like stay in your lane on this one. No, I mean, run on all five if you can, but, but don't feel like you have to pick, You know, and try different ones and do what you can. The other thing, if I can slip this in real quick, I think you mentioned when you introduced me uh, that I'm the executive director of the Strobel Center at uh, Colorado Mm -hmm. Christian University. If I could just say, especially for those that share my style, but really for any of these uh, Lee and I have formed the center with one of the greatest Christian universities on the planet uh, CCU Amen. Colorado Christian your alma mater Greg you're you're That's like the, right. you're the, one of the guys they love to point to as you know like look he turned out um, <laughs> and you did uh, but uh, Lee and I love partnering with them and what we've formed is a, a training center where it's all online uh, it's accredited you can get a bachelor's degree or a master's degree or take our less expensive certificate classes in either evangelism or practical applied apologetics and uh, we're we launched about a year ago and this thing has taken off and we'd have, love to have you join us whether it's for a class or two or for a whole degree and folks can get more information at strobelcenter.com
0: yeah, I would really encourage youth leaders. You're looking a lot of times are looking to get that that master's degree or maybe finish the bachelor's or whatever. I mean, look at the Lee trouble Center because, I mean, two of the greatest living apologists that are there to train, equip, mobilize the best of the best stuff. Uh, super excited. I was I was really excited that CCU, um, you know, said, hey, yeah, let's let's. Let's be the epicenter of evangelism and applied apologetics for the church at large. Well,
1: you That's were a link stuff. to that, and we appreciate that. And, and also I should add that in our uh, offerings of courses, we have one uh, called Reaching Next Generations for Christ, one of the most important classes we offer. And uh, we got some information from you and Deborah and you know, Dare to Share and tried to let your influence really help shape what we're doing in that class as well.
0: Praise the Lord. All right. That's awesome. Uh, Okay. The final style. What's the last style?
1: The last one is the closest to the stereotypical one. It's the one I tried to do in England that didn't fit me. Uh, We Mm -hmm. call it the truth-telling style. And here again, we should all tell the truth, but some people are just cut out to get to the point they don't like a lot of small talk it's like let's get to jesus let's get to the gospel and if you're sitting on the fence these are the people that'll kind of help nudge you off that fence and uh if you look this one up in the dictionary, there's a picture of Greg Steer right next to this one, <laughs> um, because this, you know, as soon as I knew I was going to write a chapter on this, I thought I got to start with Greg Steer's story and Uncle Jack and you know yeah. uh, his his dramatic conversion and then how he reached out to people like Thumper and all these other. People. I feel like I know Thumper and who who names yeah. their. Son Thumper, I don't know, but um, that was his nickname. Yeah, I'm sure. But, but anyway, I I celebrate what you do, Greg, and you and another Greg, Greg Laurie, and mm. Luis Palau, and Billy Graham, and and other people that maybe aren't as well known, but are, who are very direct, get to the point. You know, come on, this is the best news you're ever going to hear. You're never going to get a deal like this. Uh, don't don't delay. Come on, and I I want to add. This is not me, but this is the style that God used to reach me when I was 19. Hmm. Uh, a guy with a personality a lot like yours, Greg, uh, came into the store where I was working. Uh, I was selling stereos in a place, a really hip record shop. Remember those? Remember yeah. those black vinyl things?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Young people don't know what I'm talking about right now, but... Um, that I worked in this place, thought I was really cool. Like I say, I was a lapsed Christian. I mostly partied with the people I worked with. And a friend named Terry that I had known in high school, I was 19 years old. He walks in and acts like he's interested in a stereo at first, but then he gets to his point. He goes, Mark, I, can, I just got to ask you something. I go, "What? what's that? He goes, are you really a Christian? And I'm like, You know, looking around, I don't want my partying co workers to hear this conversation. He's making me really nervous. I kind of quietly go, Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, Terry. What about it? He goes, Well, you know, I don't get you. If you're a Christian, why do you party the way you do? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Kind of goes through a bullet point list because he knew all about me and I didn't know what to say. I I did the best I could at the moment. I, I said, well, Terry, I guess I'm a cool Christian. Hmm. Uh, you know, we, we have more fun. We're not legalistic. We don't get hung up on the rules, you know, live like hell, go to heaven. You know, that was kind of my attitude. And he looked at me, he goes, well, there's a term for cool Christians. I said, what's that? He said, hypocrites. It's like, ouch, Wow. And, you know, what do you do in that situation? You attack the person. That's what I did. I said, Well, Terry, you think you're so self righteous? Are you telling me your life is perfect? He said, No, but at least I'm honest about it. And he said, Seems to me like you're, you know, pretending to be something you're not. And then he left. He just kind of, you know, dropped that bomb and. You know, like in the movies, he's walking away while the fires are burning. You know, yeah. And and I'm I'm like my first reaction is I'm ticked off at Terry, and and then I keep thinking about it over the hours that afternoon and the next couple days, and I realized I was mad because he was right, Mm -hmm. and I knew he was right, and slowly the anger turned to reflection, and a few days later the reflection turned to repentance. Wow. And about a week later, I gave my life to Christ at age nineteen, wow. and that was the turning point of my whole existence. Wow. So I praise God for Terry. I praise God for you greg i i I believe we need the bold you know type A evangelists who stir it up and call people to account and a little more of the prophet kind of spirit a little bit, but we need those in the team, but we also need people like your wife and people like my wife. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, people that round out the whole approach as well.
0: Amen. So this is this is really good. Uh, so talking to youth leaders, I mean, <clears throat> I would say all of this applies directly to youth ministry because a lot of students, even with Dare to Share Live, you know, some churches won't participate because they think, well, you know, not all my kids are evangelists, but all of them can evangelize in different ways. And from the, from the friendship building to the selfless servant, story share, reason giver, truth teller. So really, how, what, how would you challenge youth leaders to help their students discover their style and maximize it based well,
1: on this? Well, first of all, I fully agree. And, and when I first stumbled upon some of these concepts, I was in my 20s. I wasn't, you know, it was years ago. But um, I, I think this is kind of an ageless, timeless thing, and it's biblical. Uh, yeah. Each of these has examples that I teach in the uh, Contagious Faith book, you know, biblical examples, and I show how Jesus used each of these as well. So, yeah, as a youth leader, I would, you know, consider having them read this Contagious Faith book and really do a study. And by the way, we actually have a training course coming out in a couple of months in December. Oh, great! <coughs> Excuse me, it's a six-week small group course, video-driven. I teach on it, but then I have guests who are examples of each of these five styles. And guess who my guest is on the uh, truth-telling style?
0: Whoop, whoop.
1: Yes, sir. And Greg, That's did right. you did a great job on that. And so you're part of our curriculum now. And so uh, whether they use the book or the training course or both, I would say to youth ministers, use these materials Uh, teach and you know you can use your own examples of other students and you know people that are in the circle that you can kind of point to as examples Um, but i I, i'll just tell you this liberates a ministry it liberates a youth group it liberates a a small group it liberates a whole church and then all of a sudden you not only have people feeling okay it's okay for me not to like doing this but to like doing this instead. And when I need that, I'll go to that person and we'll yeah. be a team, we'll, we'll partner.
0: That's great. And, and I, so I have stories videos- in the book
1: about that too. I just briefly, uh, toward the end of the book, I say, when you're in a situation where your style doesn't fit, pull in other people. And I give an example of my friend Carl, who's direct like mm-hmm. you, he has the truth-telling style. But he pulled in me. We were in an ice cream shop talking to a Muslim guy. Well, he uses me and my you know, intellectual side to answer the guy's questions. I pull in Lee through his book and give the guy the case for Christ and say, here's a story of someone who didn't believe it either. Uh, and then Carl tells his wife and she builds a friendship. And people in the, their class at church uh, found out and came and started serving this guy and actually helped him with his career well, a year later, this man, his name is Faiz, um, who you know had been getting all these people with different styles talking to him, a year later gives his life to Christ. Not only him, wow. but he, he, his wife, and their six-year-old daughter all turned from Islam to Christianity. Wow. They're still followers of Christ today. Um, because the whole team was finding their styles and working together. And I think that can happen in a church, and it can happen in, in a youth ministry as well.
0: That's great. I love that. So youth, just talking to youth theaters, how would they find out more about where they can get uh, your new book?
1: Yeah, we have a website just for the book and the training course, and there's actually a little assessment you can do to kind of figure out what your style is and other information, as well as discounted prices on the materials. Uh, you go to um, contagiousfaithbook.com. So it's just contagiousfaith at the word book.com. Uh, no spaces, and that'll take them to that site and give them that information.
0: So I'd encourage youth leaders, I mean, I know this is an adult curriculum, but you know me, if you've been listening to me, I think teenagers are longing for deeper content and to wrestle with stuff, so this would be a great, uh, just a youth group tool, take them through, help all the students identify their style, maximize their strengths, minimize their weakness, and become more confident. Uh, in their faith and the ability to share the good news of the gospel of christ so Amen. Uh, how would people follow you mark uh if they want to get more i know you're a big twitter guy
1: yeah that's that's i'm a one-track guy on social media i'm, I'm on twitter pretty actively and it's just at mark middleberg the hard part is spelling because it's very german It's you got t's and it's e l it's it's mark normal spelling of mark and then m-i-t-t-e-l-b-e-r-g and my website is the same, com, And uh, and then again, the com is where they can find out more about the training. And that includes training on contagious faith and some of the things we're talking about.
0: So Mark, thank you so much. Thanks for your friendship. Thanks for uh, being a mentor to me, somebody I look up to in evangelism and learn from. And uh, I'm I'm praying all these youth leaders take advantage of this great gift uh, that you're given to the body of Christ to really help them identify their style of evangelism.
1: Well, thank you so much, Greg. In fact, it it would be okay if I offer a prayer for you and all the the youth ministers that are listening?
0: Please do. That would be awesome.
1: Father, I just thank you. Uh, Greg just called me a mentor. Well, he's an inspiration to me, and I thank you for his boldness. I thank you for Dare to Share and the ways it is impacting youth and youth leaders, not only around the nation, but increasingly around the world. And I pray for every youth leader listening right now that you will inspire them and give them a burning passion to reach people in their own lives so they set the pace for the the people they lead, but then to train, equip, and unleash every student in their group to make a difference for Christ, to share, share the gospel, and to be productive and fruitful with a contagious faith as they reach others mm. for you. So I just thank you for them and pray for a blessing and uh, a work in and through them in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Mark, thanks again. We're we're going to shift gears. Uh, we have Mr. Bill, who's a youth leader. You're welcome to stay on and listen, or you can... If if you have other things to do, you can take off. But we're going to unpack this uh, with Mr. Bill and just kind of get his perspective of things. So thanks again, Mark, for being a part of the program. All right, Mr. Bill, that was a power packed time uh, with Mark Middleburn. Oh,
2: man. My sheet is full of notes. Yeah. You know, Um, that's what I do because I want to be able to say, how does this apply in my life? Yeah. And, man, um, just so much that was said. Thanks, Mark, for. Uh, what you do and your encouragement, and, and all these kind of things. And uh, Greg's right, every one of these things applies to youth ministry. And uh, I would, you know, I just think a uh, couple things that were really stood out to me. Um, you know, the selfless serving. Thing, First of all, know, let,
0: uh, me make, let me just make sure I say, just for those of you who don't know Bill Freund, uh, he's affectionately known as Mr. Bill. Uh, He serves as the pastor of student ministries at Grace Church in Roseville, Minnesota. He's been doing youth ministry for 37 years, Uh, and he came to Christ after graduating from high school, is on fire for the Lord. I've known him since Colorado Christian University, uh, where we used to go out and do evangelism together, and so Mr. Bill's been a great, great friend. One of the guys that—I mean, one of the highest respected youth leaders in youth ministry— from my from my point of view I immensely respect mr. Bell uh, he is godly and he's passionate and he loves Jesus and he loves teenagers and he believes in mobilizing teenagers for the gospel so I just want to set you up a little bit I should have done that earlier but yeah why don't you dive in what are some of the things that you learned sure
2: um, and I'm just I'm just grateful to be able to get to do what I get to do you know it's an awesome privilege so um, I think one of the things when he brought up the idea of the whole selfless serving and um not you know the caution part of not bringing up Jesus cuz you know uh there's so much done uh for like social justice um that we do um but it sometimes can be gospel injustice mm. if we don't do both mm. and we want to be able to do both and I, I just felt like um that's an area where and he uh, what the difference uh, what mark said was the difference was is students trained yeah. to be able to be ready to be able to give an answer for the reason of the hope that they have. Mm. And that just made me remind, okay, are, are my students trained for those conversations that may came, come up? Because mm. we, we definitely want to love people. We want to ask them questions, build relationships. But have my students been trained for that as well? Yeah. And that's a big part. So I thought that was really good. Um, uh, love the uh, storytelling. I would have to agree um, I bet uh, half the students when I, we were working on writing out our stories with our students and they're all like, well, I don't have a very exciting story and I don't have, you know, and I did. I had to just say to them, look, if you feel like your story is not exciting, uh, you don't understand uh, how salvation works because it's a miracle. Yeah. And to God, for God to, to come in and move in your heart and everything, that's a miracle and miracles are worth sharing. And so helping students to see that kind of stuff.
0: Do you remember those three uh, is, D's that he had talked about? I
2: did. I wrote them down. I wrote them down. Well, um, uh, well, you wrote down confu- uh, uh, the dis- discouraged, no, discovered, decided, and difference. Yeah,
0: what you discovered what about discovered, Jesus, what yeah. you decided, what difference. I actually think that's pretty – can you send that to me after the podcast? Because I think that's that's pretty simple way to, for a student to identify yeah. their story
2: absolutely i thought man that's a great way you know um i'm always looking for new ways to to figure out those kind of things and i thought that was that was great and it it starts with d three words with d i can remember that that's right you know um, well uh, and i
0: think along with that you know you look at i've said this before is that your story doesn't actually save anybody your story saved you your story though is an on-ramp to the gospel story and it really, you know, presents a way for students to tell their story so they can eventually get to the story of the gospel that can save them. So it's so important sharing your story. What else did you learn? Yeah.
2: Um, well, he said, uh, your friends are not going to see it unless you go to them and share it. Yeah. And I was like, man, that is, that is good. Yeah. Um, you know, because I agree with the Romans 10 passage, you know, um, we can live it. Um, but we got to tell it too. Yeah. out loud with words.
0: Yep, that's good. So
2: um, So one of the things I came away is I'm like, okay, um, we just started a student leadership team. Hmm. and I'm gonna first begin and take my student leadership team uh, through this. Uh, you know, I've only been here uh, 20 months, coming up on two years, um, but part of that was all the pandemic. So it was kind of like crazy. Um, uh, but, uh, I really want to help our students to be able to turn around and help the other students, uh, understand these, these, uh, different kinds of styles. Yeah. Um, because man, here's, you guys know, uh, it's one thing for a youth leader or adult to say it, but if a student says it to another student, man, the impact just goes way up. It just does. And so we really want to help our students. So I'm going to take our student leadership through this. And help them to understand their styles, talk about what theirs is and, and you know, uh, maybe combinations of what it is. So I think that's how I would apply it. I think
0: that's great because I, I think, uh, you know, it's a little bit, maybe a little bit next level for just, you know, an average kid sitting in a youth group. But for your student leaders to get that training curriculum and really unpack that for, for your student leaders, everybody operating in their gifts, appreciating, appreciating um, other gifts. And what's, what's really cool, too, is I was thinking about this with Go Share Day, Dare to Share Live. There's room for all these styles, uh, you know, when it comes to praying for people, caring for people, and sharing the gospel with people. They can, from friendship building, you know, sometimes we see that with uh, students that go evangelize. They'll Instead of talking to 10 people for five minutes, they'll talk to one person for 50 minutes, and they'll build that friendship yeah. and share Christ. Um, you see selfless serving service projects where kids really can thrive and then drop those breadcrumbs. Uh, every one of those styles uh they can they can put into practice really cool yep so thanks mark appreciate it yeah it's great stuff anything else that stood out that you would say
2: <clears throat> i would just say you know just reminded of Uh, Just the mandate that we have, you know, Um, even regardless of our style, um, you know, we have the privilege of being able to share eternal hope with eternal souls. And man, what a great opportunity we have. And I think urgency for the students for me is a big one. Yeah. Um, Helping them to understand the urgency um, of being able to talk to their friends. Yeah. I know that they're, they're like a lot of what Mark said. And you know um, uh, they want their friends to know. They want to tell them, but man, it feels like they don't know where to start, yeah. and they don't. And and then if it is like, hey, we're going hitting the streets, and you're going to preach, um, nobody shows up because they're like, I can't do that. That's not me. And we don't want to teach them that that's the only style. Yeah. Um. And so that's good.
0: That as long as good. you know you take all those five, and at some point you're getting to the gospel out loud with yeah. words. All those, all those styles can be very, very effective. So appreciate, Mark, you did such a great job. Appreciate you, Mr. Bill, and your commitment to youth ministry and commitment to gospel-advancing youth ministry because, as we all know, uh, gospel, a thriving youth ministry is a gospel-advancing youth ministry. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. It's been exciting to hear from Mark Middleburg and Mr. Bill, and I hope that today's podcast would really encourage you to mobilize your students to share the gospel until every teen everywhere hears a gospel from a friend.